Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do that is by telegraph. It's dot, dot, dash. No. Uh, e- email. <laughs> there, they, thanks, for guest. Um, the the email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. The laugh, the, the chuckle that you just heard belongs to Chris Motes, who's in the studio with me today. Hi, Chris. Good morning, Chris. Um, so Chris and I are going to be talking about the two things that you never talk about in polite company. And we're going to do them both together. That is religion and politics. I know. I feel I I should sort of hunker down and get in a defensive crouch or something. (laughs) Chris was a a Marine. We'll we'll talk about ourselves more in a moment because we're good at it. Uh, But Chris was a Marine, and so he's going to assume a defensive posture to defend his stand his ground. Yeah. No. So, so religion and politics and specifically here, here's the question that we're going to be um, examining and hopefully answering today. Why should uh, a Catholic, a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ who lives in the United States of America in the year 2020 um, care about politics, care about who holds office um, at local, state, and national levels. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the short answer is because you should, but why? <laughs> but why? Why? That's what we'll be talking about today. Uh, but if you've never listened to Ignition before, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been in that role since 2002. Been in the role of husband, husband to Jermaine since 1999. So 21 years this summer. Mm. Uh, she's from Ohio. I'm from central Minnesota, but all five of our kids are born and raised here in sunny Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's the telemarketers called it once. Sioux Falls. <laughs> no, that's it. Sioux. Sioux. You're not from around here, are I'm you? Not. <laughs> Chris, who are you? Yeah, I'm uh, Chris Motes. I'm uh, the executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, an organization founded in 2017 by the bishops of South Dakota to represent them on matters of public policy. And I'm uh, very happily married to, to Hannah. We've been married nine years this year and have four, uh, four lovely children. I'm a Sioux Falls uh, native, but um, as you kind of alluded just earlier, I moved, moved around uh, for uh, quite a while in the service and then law school and law practice uh, out of state before kind of coming back home. Uh, to, to help jumpstart the Catholic Conference three years ago. And it's really a delight to be back in South Dakota. Great. Yeah. Great. So let's dive right in. Um, why should a disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, and, and for most of our, well, who knows? I mean, you might be driving down the road and maybe you're not a Christian, not Catholic at all, but but we'll be kind of exploring it particularly through that lens. Why should a Catholic care about politics? And, and maybe we should start by defining terms a little bit, Chris. Sure. Um, I, I think most people who, we have an idea of what Catholic means, but but the word politics in particular, maybe we should spend a couple of minutes just being clear about what we do and don't mean by that in this conversation. Yeah. So politics, I think there can be a temptation amongst many of us in 21st century America to sort of, we, to have this caricature in our minds of politics as just sort of these angry talking heads on TV, you know, whatever 
cable news station you listen to or sure. radio. I mean, it's we we tend to think of it as like um, sort of angry people yelling and seeking power for their faction. We we tend to reduce it to factionalism, sure, which is not a new thing. This is you know a lot of uh, St. Thomas More, whose feast day we celebrate in uh, June. So um, celebrated, celebrated <laughs> in June. Uh, not sure when we're airing this, but uh, you know, he in a lot of his writings, even 500 years ago, is is talking about factionalism. Yeah. Um. So that's that's how we tend to reduce it, but it's actually something much nobler and and higher and good. Pope Francis has described it as uh, a, a great good, um, uh, one of the highest forms of charity, insofar as it's seeking the common good, and it's it's simply politics is simply. Uh, that that way in which we order our common life together mm. in the place in which we live, you know, and we've got our local politics and our city. You actually, our, so uh, the way that we order our common life together yeah. where we live. Right. So in the church is sort of classical um, d- division between sort of the, the temporal sphere and the, um, and the eternal sphere you know, we we could maybe talk about politics in terms of the temporal sphere of civic society mm-hmm. of all of those things that are bound up um, in our life here on this earth, and there are of course a lot of layers to that. Sure, you know, um, you know, we, you and I we live in a neighborhood, right? And, and there's like there's a common life to that neighborhood. You know, um, we live in a city. There's there's a way in which our our life is ordered in the city. Um, and it's it's not it's not in like an oppressive way necessarily. I don't mean to talk about politics or it's when when I say ordering our life together, I don't mean like somebody coming down and saying you must do this or sure. you must do that. But but we can think of it in a certain way as there there are certain rules uh, very literally of the road. One of the ways that politics has has helped us is okay, we drive on the right hand side of the road. That rule is a function of our politics, right. and it actually is a really productive limitation because it makes it safe to drive, and it right. makes it so goods and services can uh, can get from one place to another. It makes it so you know you can drive to work in the morning. Um, so th- that's a very simple example. And there's you know I think this is maybe a, a more of a um, an idea that's just discussed by theologians. But would we have politics even if we didn't have the fall? And there's a line of thought that would say that, that sure. says, yeah, sure. like yeah, we still need order, um, right? Even for a common good together. So it's not simply about like instituting these rules as a result of sin, but it's just about providing order. You know, right. even in an unfallen world, we need we need um, authority, hierarchy. Right. What, what side of the road do I drive on? Right. You know? Somebody has to decide. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. So so politics in that broader sense, not as you said, not uh, just angry talking heads, yeah. uh, furthering factionalism, right. um, as, as much as that might be a part of the human condition as it is. So politics in that broader sense of, of ordering our common life together. So let's return then to the question, why should a, a Catholic, a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ care about politics, even in that broad sense? You know, it, uh, there are a lot of different ways to go about answering this question, but the where I always begin in, in my mind is we care about the world, the temporal sphere, as that's kind of where we started, you know, with politics. What is politics? Yep. It's we we care about it because Christ cared about it because because the Lord whom we follow, we're disciples, we follow, um, 
because God cares about it. And we know that he cares about it because the gospel that, um, again, we recently heard last June, uh, <laughs> because God so loved the world yep. that he sent his only begotten son um, and not to condemn it, uh, but to give it eternal life. So, and we know that politics, of course, it would be wrong to think about politics in terms of like, po- politics doesn't save us. Um, but insofar as politics um, is a, something that happens in the world mm-hmm. and is for the common good of the world, we know that God loves the world. Therefore, we should love it. Amen. Yeah. So, so basically, we can. I think we can draw a pretty clear line between the incarnation and why we should care about politics. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition. This is a, a, a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, talking today with Chris Motes about uh, religion and politics together in the same episode at the same time, uh, basically answering the question, why should a disciple of Jesus Christ care, uh, particularly li- living in the United States of America? Why should they care about politics? So you're just talking there about the incarnation and the fact that God loves the world. It was Trinity Sunday, actually, and it sticks in my hip head because, as you know, my youngest uh, made her first communion. Ah, uh, praise God! That's, oh, that's right. So, so good. Um, so that was that was the gospel for that for that that Sunday. Um, because God loves the world. It, you and I have talked about this before. It also reminded me what you just said. Reminded me of something that the the bishops of the world said at Vatican II in the nineteen sixties. Um, the, the the great drama of our time, the great drama of our time. You get and now if you feel it, what do you think is that? And this is the sixties, but in a broad sense, going back the last fifty years, hundred years, hundred years, really. What's the great drama of our time, listeners? You might be thinking about all sorts of different things. This is this is how the bishops of the church gathered together in prayer, um, seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is how they answered that question. The great drama of our time is the divorce between the split, the divorce between the faith that we profess and the lives that we live. Mm. The great drama of our time is the split between the faith that we live, the, the faith that we profess, and the lives that we live. So I'm gesturing with my hands, faith in one hand, life in the other, but they're supposed to be joined together, really integrated, like a, like hands in in a prayer posture where they're they're woven together. Um, my faith, our faith should pervade every aspect of my life and okay so great but but my 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 life doesn't include politics somebody might be saying i i i I hear you chris's uh faith uh and life should go together god loves the world well in my world faith just uh politics rather is just not really part of my world and that's where i think we come at this from the other question really the first question when you and i started having this conversation. I, I, Chris, I, I came, I came to Chris Motes with a specific question um, that I was just curious how he would answer. Um, and it was this, what's the difference between a citizen and a subject, a citizen and a sub. So, so a citizen of a country versus the subject of a country. Um, and, and Chris, I, whatever your answer was then, I'm pretty sure it'll be similar, but what's, what's the difference between the two? And the, the difference is sovereignty. So what is the source of political authority? All things have their origin in God. So the source of political authority is actually in God. Right. But um, for a, a subject, that authority flows from God to the crown or to you know the monarch or, so or the to the queen. state, to the yep. state, yep. if you will. Yep. And from the state, the state then has subjects. And there's n- nothing inherently evil about this. This has been actually the predominant mode of government 
for um, in many times and places in history, and and we as as Christians could you know live good holy lives and be the, the purpose is still the same. The purpose right. of government is still ordered towards the common good, but that's it is actually different, and we could even say I think consistent with the church um, a shade lower than than what it is to be a citizen. Like, which is a bit more of a, of a nobler thing because okay. it requires our cooperation and freedom. So as citizens, the, the authority, political authority flows right from God to us. To us. To us as individual citizens. And then, and then we have ordained a government to, to help facilitate the protection of, of natural rights. To order the common to life To order together. the common life together. So it's, it's, it's just a different ordering of the steps uh, with a subject, you have God to state to subject, and with citizens, you have from God to citizen to state. Um, so that's that's the essential difference. And as I as I just suggested, like there's there's something you know, John Paul writes about this. Uh, Saint John Paul the, the Great writes about this. Um, just what a great good democracy can be, insofar as it like really um, depends upon and, and relies upon the free virtue of citizens um, that are fully responsible for the politics of the place in which they live. Right. Responsibility. Responsibility. Um, freedom and responsibility go hand in hand. So what, um, what occurred to me is you and I were talking previously about this um, and kind of bring those two questions. So what's the difference between a citizen and a subject? Okay, so I'm in the United States. Those of us who are citizens, which is the vast majority of us, um, we are the sovereigns. And it's pretty clear in scripture and, and in the church's crystallization of scripture, that so in church teaching, it's pretty clear that uh, God, as you were just saying, um, places a good deal of responsibility on the sovereigns whether that's the king or queen or crown or the state in one form of government or in our republic democracy um, on us. So God gives uh, uh, power to the sovereigns and with that power comes responsibility, as you said, right? So for, so why should I care about um, politics as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, in our country, it's because you're the sovereign, Right, I'm the sovereign. That's it. That's exactly it. So, in in freedom, sometimes um, we use freedom uh, the word freedom a lot in this country. Yep. We really like the word, but in contemporary discourse, it it can be watered down and reduced um, to just sort of this I don't know nebulous and and undirected liberty. Like do whatever you want, and that's fine. We, but within our Catholic conception um or just even a natural law like um a right conception like freedom is not a neutral value it's for something right it's for something it's got to be directed at something and because it's got to be directed at something that means that it's not just a do whatever you want kind of thing it yep. it, it 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 brings responsibility with it to the right. and, and and puts upon the one who bears it which is all of us citizens the obligation to order it well and to use it um, in a way that's ordered well, not just uh, I do whatever I want because I ch my, my own will chooses the, w 
the end to which it's directed isn't good according to my will. There's like a good end and I should I should will that good end right. and direct my freedom towards it. And that that does get lost a lot in our in our discourse on freedom. Um even even politicians in the state of South Dakota who are doing great, you know, great work. This is not a critique, but we use the word freedom oftentimes in a way that is completely um devoid of any orientation, devoid of direction. Right. Which um which is a half truth. <clears throat> It's a half truth. So I think the, the, the term that the catechism uses is actually uh, freedom perfected Ooh. or completed. Right, right. So, okay. So, so what is, the, you might be listening to this. Okay. What, is, what does this mean for me then? So I think that's part of the problem, to be honest. Uh, our faith, let me explain what I mean by that. I think too often we, we limit the sphere of our faith to ourselves. Mm. So my faith is very, not just personal, which it is, but even private. Um, well, our faith is supposed to be public. And I, that doesn't mean just living it out so people know that we're Christians, but it also means, again, the divorce between the, the, the faith we profess and the lives we live. Our faith has implications and ramifications for our common life together. Our faith has implications and ramifications for our politics, again, using that term in its best sense. And because I am, as a citizen, a sovereign, I need to bring my faith to bear on my politics. Um, but in order for me to bring my faith to bear on my politics, I must have a politics, meaning I have to be, to some degree, maybe this is, in the, if we have time, we'll talk about this question, how, how, how interested, how informed you have to be about politics. Like you and I are, I think more naturally inclined to be like, really to geek out about political things. At least I am yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, we don't have to geek out about politics, but we do have to be informed about politics so that we can uh, fulfill our sovereign responsibility. Yes. As we've been saying. Um, so how do we, what does it mean to be a sovereign then? In a sense, what does it mean to be a faith-filled disciple who is also a citizen? What does this concretely mean, uh, you know, in the nine minutes we have left, Chris? What, what, what does this mean? And if you're just tuning in, by the way, this is Ignition. This is a, a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm Chris Bergwald talking to you with Chris Motes about faith and politics and what it means to be as an American citizen who is also a disciple of Jesus Christ. So, Chris, maybe let's start to get concrete. Sure. And I'm not going to speak about the spiritual life. I'm going to take that for granted. Okay. That, that we're just sort right. of we're yep. living we're living lives of 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 prayer and attention to uh, to the interior life. But to just speak a little bit about citizenship uh, per se, there there are a couple of things that the founders of this country, this sort of grand experiment in in ordered liberty, thought were really important. Um, so the first is is virtue, you know, and that that I think goes. We can think about that hand in hand with with the interior life. So just again, setting that to the side for the moment. Um, they also believed that like education was was important. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these a lot of these founders had um, <coughs> what what we could maybe describe as a liberal education, which is an education that is um, ordered ordered towards producing a person capable of of great freedom. Right. Um, in a, in the modern context, you know, for those of us who have maybe not thought about this question deeply before, like where do you start? The advice I was given um, on the, on this exact question, right when I was getting out of the Marines about ten years ago, was uh, you, you need to read. Mm. You need to read, 
because we live in a culture that is actually communicates using media, using uh, various medium um, that actually can um, degrade or make us in certain ways like incapable of the robust thought that is necessary of free citizens. So, and this is not a, an, an attack necessarily on like Twitter or television, but we, we can even see like within our history as a country, the difference between um, presidential debates, the transition from radio to television and like how, I think it was, what was the Nixon Kennedy debates? Yes. Like the difference the difference in perception between those listening and those watching, which is just evidence that the media actually impacts our thought. And, and, and one of the trouble, troubles with our media today is that we have a sound bite media yep. culture. We reduce things to, to, to little tiny snippets that actually don't honor the capacity of our minds to actually be really deeply informed and thoughtful about things. We just sort of, get these little snippets thrown at us as if we're just sort of supposed to accept whatever worldview is in them um, latently, but accept it whole cloth. So the advice I was given uh, 10 years ago, this was actually at a, a focus conference. Um, there's a talk following the publication of a book called Render Unto Caesar by, uh, um, at that time, the Archbishop of Philadelphia. And, and his advice was, just read a lot. And so, and then of course, a, a smart student at the end of the talk raised their hand and said, well, what do I read? That's yeah, a great question. And the answer was uh, read a, a wide variety of things and read deeply. So, and this could be, you know, really formative things like works of, of you know, whether it's literature or philosophy, but, but at the, the point at the moment was actually contemporary news. Yeah, it's a good thing to read. Again, there's a danger in getting too wrapped around the axle. This, the news doesn't save us. Right. So we need to have a priority towards, uh, towards our prayer life, interior life, the one who does save us. But, but yeah, with like news, read. Um, if if you have a choice between something that's like uh, a little snippet, a soundbite, and something that's more long form journalism, read something that's a little bit longer. And it requires that costs something in terms of our time our mental energy, our, you know, it's just, it's not as easy to do that, but it is important to do it. Uh, I suggest. I, I would say, I mean, just to double tail on that and, 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 okay. On the one hand, I would say that good Catholics could disagree with us on this point. Sure. On the other hand, I would argue though, that we're right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a matter of faith. It's not like you're, right. uh, you're, you're going to yes. be a heretic if you take a different position. Uh, but, but we're somebody to hold up a different position. I would, I would, I would love to have the conversation because I'm, I'm just my own experience. Um, I completely agree with you. I don't, I don't um, stay informed I, with, with current events. I don't, I don't, I don't, um, take news in. I don't consume news by video, whether it be TV or um, st online streaming. I read the news. Um, and I think that there's an important, just th this is me agreeing with what you just said, Chris. Uh, I think there's an important distinction in reading the news as opposed to watching yes. the news. Um, the, the other thing that, and now I will bring in the interior life just a little bit, but and it's, and I bring this in just because it's something I noticed in myself recently. Um, so when you are reading the news and taking in the events of the world, one, I, I suggest one should be attentive 
to what is happening in one's own heart as as you're taking that in. And I bring that up because I was, uh, as you know, Chris, I'm a I'm an officer in the in the uh, Air National Guard up in Minnesota, where I um, lived before moving back home to South Dakota. I'm still in the guard up there, and was called up for a couple of days of duty, and was just like consuming way more news right. than I normally do. And I was consuming it on a social media platform. Yep. I was like, oh, this is, it's really timely. It's like, you know, I, I don't have to wait for it to be, but I just, after like a couple of days of doing that, I was on duty and I was just like really paying attention. And to be honest, I had just a little bit of anxiety too about my family back home. And, but then I realized what was happening in my own heart, mm -hmm. just sort of anxiety and fear. And I was like, actually, this is not, this is not a, a godly sort of reaction to this, you know, f fear isn't from the Lord. Um, so just for me to actually be aware of, of like, oh my goodness, this is happening in me. I had to realize, look, actually a couple things for me to learn from that is, do I really need to be present on that social media platform consuming? No, I didn't. And is it good for me to be informed? Yes. But to just take a step back and, and maybe not, not as frequently consume it or, or just be a little pickier about where I'm taking it in from. Yep. Um, is, is pretty important, but then also for me to, to just, um, to just have, to, to bring Christian discernment into it a and invite the Lord into my own experience of, of receiving this, but then not to be just sort of led along with the, the flow, if you will, of, because uh, people do, almost like they're jumping up and down with their hair on fire, waving their arms, like, now we need to think this. Now we need to think that. It, there's an element of sort of being led by some of this stuff. But for me as a Christian, I just kind of realized like, I need to take a step back and permit myself to, to be, yes, to be present and to be informed and to discern how to act. But in my discernment of how to act, to actually be led by the Lord and not led by the headline writer. Amen. So, so that you're receiving it, but, but not, you're being informed by it, but not formed Correct. by it. Correct. Um, so, so even informed, you don't want to be inwardly formed by it. You, you want to be aware of what's going on. Well put. But not formed by the editor or writer. Well put. Um, so, so we just got a minute left here, Chris. I think if, if you were going to pick one, two, three, like specific recommendations, actions to take, what would you say to those who are listening right now who are Christians, Catholics, and citizens of the United States? Well, the first thing I did say that I, I'm sort of taking the interior life for granted, but that is the number one priority. So that if, you, if, you're, not, um, if you're not praying every day, like that absolutely needs to be the number one priority. So and pray every day? Pray every day. And, and in your prayer, you actually need to ask the Lord, what are you calling me to do? And he'll tell you. All right. Do you have a two? We have time for a two. Time for a two. <laughs> I don't know if I have a two. You you do need to be aware that as you, as you put it, we actually have responsibility because we are citizens. So this putting we, we can't put our heads in the sand. So I think be aware of what's going yes. on. Maybe another time we'll talk about voting and how you go about doing that. Another, sure. Another episode because we have five seconds. So <laughs> thanks for being here, Chris. This is very informative, very enlightening. I enjoyed it. I hope our listeners did as well. You bet. That will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.